0: Hey everyone, this is Jake Milwee. I want to welcome you to the sermon podcast for Sweetwater Christian Church. We are glad that you are interested in joining us as we follow Christ. If you would ever like to support our ministry financially or just learn more about us, head on over to sweetwaterchristian.org. Thanks and God bless. It's good to be with you all this morning. I was uh, gone for a while uh, and you've obviously had you a great rotation in place of people who are um, filling in and preaching as we just wait and pray for God to send someone to be your full-time pastor um, but I so enjoy being back with y'all so it's good to be back thanks for letting me be here uh, we're just kind of continuing on when I'm with you guys right now I'm just preaching through Mark uh, just kind of slowly just little bits by bits and so we're still we just started this recently so we're still in mark chapter one we're in the infancy of this uh, but we're in mark chapter one kind of wrapping up that first chapter today and let me pray for us and then we're gonna jump in and see see where the Holy Spirit takes us let's pray Lord, we are grateful that you are a God who, as we're going to learn about even in these next few verses and minutes, uh, is present with us, and that you have something to say to our current situation. Not only do you have something to say about the future and about the way things will be, but you also, God, have begun something new even now, and that changes how things are today, in this moment, in 2022, as we get ready to head into February. Like, you have something to say now. So God, would you give us tender hearts and open our ears and our eyes and our minds to understand what you have for us today, so that it would then impact how we live again today. The future matters, God, but so does right now, and so would you, would you help us to that end? It's in the name of Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. Okay, so Mark, we're going to be starting in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verse 14. Let me remind us before we get started, though, of what Mark 1, 1 says. Because Mark 1, 1 is really, in many ways, the foundation upon which Mark's gospel gets, gets built out. So Mark, just the first verse says this, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. The beginning of the good news... So the beginning of the gospel, that's what gospel means, good news. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, who is also the son of God. That's the foundation. That's like the bedrock on which Mark begins and launches his enterprise. So with that in the backs of our minds, let's get to verse 14. It says this, after John, that's John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And he says this, "'The time has come. "'The kingdom of God has come near or is here. "'Repent and believe the good news. "'As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, "'he saw Simon and his brother Andrew "'casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. "'Come follow me,' Jesus said, "'and I will send you out to fish for people.' "'At once they left their nets and followed him. "'When he had gone a little further, "'he saw James, son of Zebedee, "'and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets.' Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Let's stop right there for right now. Jesus comes on the scene in, in, John's, in, in Mark's gospel, rather, at the point where he's baptized by John, which we talked about a few weeks ago. He goes in the wilderness, and he's tempted. And then all of a sudden, in verse 14 of Mark 1, we get Jesus' first recorded words, and they're pretty important. Mark, the, the, the authors of biblical texts, the authors, just authors in general, generally try to like organize their thoughts accordingly and appropriately. So Mark wants the first words you hear from Jesus's mouth to be these things. And there's two statements. He says, first, the time has come. The time has come. What does that mean? Well, in Bible words, that's a really compact, like pressed down, like really, really just like as closely the other presses, we can get it compacted statement, meaning that all of the Old Testament, all the law, all the prophets, all the hopes and dreams of God's people for centuries and millennia, the time has come for that to be taken care of. The time has come. God has stepped onto the scene to do something, one, that only God can do, and two, that has been talked about for a long time, so Jesus arrives on the scene. He's, he's beginning his preaching ministry. He's, he's going into Galilee and he says, the time has come. So from Genesis to Malachi, the time has come. This 400 years of silence that we have between the Old and the New Testament. Finally, the people are hearing this phrase, the time has come. Things that the prophets longed to see, things that people like David and Elijah and others longed to see and told us about, are you ready? This is Mark's way of saying, pay attention. Something big is about to go down. That's the first thing Jesus says, the time has come. He's like, We're gonna, I'm going to get their attention. And then he says this, the kingdom of God is here, or has come near, depending on your translation. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus correlates that this, this time coming, this this advent, this arrival of something different and special, he correlates and connects that to the arrival of the kingdom of God. So all of what we've been waiting for, all of what the prophets were waiting for, all of what the kings, the good and bad of Israel were waiting for, is for the kingdom of God to come near and to be present. And Jesus says, good news, it is. In this moment that Jesus is saying it, he says, it is here, it is now, the kingdom is present. Something that was not previously available to you is now present with you. And there is a response required of you. There's a response required of you. We'll talk about that in just a second. The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom is here. And then he says, repent. Repent and believe in this good news. Now, here's the thing. We we know about repenting, right? We're like, that's a churchy word for like meaning, you know, going through, going through a process of saying, I, I did something wrong, I wrong. I'm going to do a 180. I'm going to turn away from it. I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going to change how I am. I'm going to change something, and I'm going to now live differently. We're all hopefully pretty familiar with that kind of concept of turning away from something, especially something that's sinful or something that 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 we know doesn't line up with how God wants the world to be run and to operate. I think most of us are pretty familiar. If you've been in church any length of time, you've probably heard some really intense sermons about turning away from something with someone like yelling at you about it. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what's happening today because I want to present to you that yes, obviously we need to repent. We need to turn away from sin. Repent just means to, to turn, to do a 180 and go the opposite direction with purpose. But I think that what Jesus is also talking about, there's also this undercurrent happening here that all kind of the hopes and dreams and fears of these people over the years are about to be, one, met and realized, but about to, I think another thing is that some of these people, their lives are about to be shaken up. Because here's the reality. Once Jesus steps on the scene and says the time has come, the kingdom is here, that means some other things are no longer going to be there. When Jesus steps on the scene and says, God is now interacting with the world in a different way than he previously has because God is actually physically here. This means things like the temple doesn't really matter. The old ways that I've tried to seek God and encounter God and meet God on my own terms and kind of these dead just kind of rhythms and just repetition, repetition isn't working anymore. And so Jesus comes on the scene and, he, and, and just in his very presence is reminding people over and over again that the old ways that you've tried to find God and meet God and please God are null and void. Because God has actually physically come down to you in flesh. And so you now have two responses. One, repent, both from sin, but I also think Mark is, also, is, is presenting to us, we need to repent and turn away from our old preconceived notions of how God is going to be. And of trying to make God what we want God to be. And of trying to put God in our boxes. And of trying to paint God to be the kind of God that we want. Because God refuses to be that. God will not be put in your box. And if God is put in your box, then it's not much of a God. If you can control every aspect about God and explain every aspect about God, I'm not really interested in your God. It's pretty boring. So Jesus comes on the scene and says, repent. Repent turn away both from sin, but also maybe even, I would present to you, maybe even some of our expectations about what God is about to do. And then he says, believe the good news. So there's both kind of this call to action, but there's also this kind of call to, the the word believe here, both means like intellectually, like kind of take it in, absorb it, let it become part of you. But then there's also this almost action element here that says, and it's going to do something to you that now requires some participation. But here's, here's the reality, and here's kind of the good news about the Christian life. We're not asked to do that on our own. Like You're not having to like, regenerate yourself and like pull yourself up by your bootstraps every day and make it work and just sludge through this Christian life. No. There's an energy here. There's a gift of the Holy Spirit that happens that we believe is, as Christians happens, and it's good news. <laughs> Jesus doesn't say, hey, um, the time has come. Repent. The kingdom is here. Um, believe in this decent news that might make your day better 10 percent, or that might kind of influence you for about a year, and once you get like really on fire, but then like it's going to kind of go away and dissipate. No, Jesus says this is good news, and remember that's how Mark opens his gospel. He says this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, and also remember. This is It all folds in on itself. Underneath all of this is the reality that the kingdom of God is here. You realize this, right? The kingdom of God is not something that you have to wait for until Jesus comes back again. It's not something you have to wait for until you like die. No, no, Jesus began something in his person, by his presence, that we today, 2000 plus years later, are still swept up in. Now, do we recognize that this world is, just messed up and broken and not as it should be? Absolutely. But do we also recognize that there are moments and glimmers and just places where heaven and earth kind of interlock a little bit and we get glimpses of what a kingdom life looks like because of what Jesus has begun? when you see people kind of living self-sacrificially, when you see the church doing what the church should be doing, when you see us responding to the needs of the world, when you see things like that happening, the curtain is pulled back and we get glimpses into the kingdom doing what the kingdom is supposed to do. This is not something we have to like wait for. It's not here 100% yet, but we're catching glimpses of it. And guess what? Part of our call in believing that good news is to be people who bring the kingdom wherever we are. If Jesus can, can arrive on the scene and said, the kingdom is here, I'm beginning something, then we as little Jesuses, we as little Christ Christians are now called to carry that same message and that same mission. So how do we do that? I think Mark then gives us some examples when Jesus goes around and he just starts like calling people out. He's like, hey, yo, you come follow me. You come follow me. You come follow me. And here's what these people do. They're fishermen, okay. You guys, if you've, if you've been in church any length of time, you've probably heard some sermons on fishermen and shepherds and how like they're not super high up on, on the, the hierarchy of society. They're just out there doing their job. They're, they're, they're fishing, they're fixing their nets, they're selling their stuff, they're going to bed. Like that's kind of their routine. They're not super high up in society, but there they are doing their jobs. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, hey, um, come follow me and I'll make you fish for people or I'll make you fishers of men. And here's, here's the thing. I think there's three things that, this, that these encounters that Jesus has with these fishermen show us. One, um, it shows us that in order to respond appropriately to the gospel, in order to respond appropriately to the reality that the kingdom is here, one, you have to recognize Jesus' authority. These fishermen aren't going to leave their livelihoods just for any, any old person who wanders in off the streets, nor should they. <laughs> That's not, that's not being very wise. You know, they're not tossed to and fro by the wind. They're not just being like, oh, this is the next fa- fa- you know, fad. Let's just follow this guy. No, they, there's something about Jesus that compels them. There's something about Jesus that compels them. So they recognize his authority or they recognize something different about him. That's the first thing. The second thing is that they then allow that reality to alter their very lives. They step away from their livelihoods. They step away from their their people, from their families, from their homes, from their established way of doing take up this very itinerant kind of mission life with Jesus. So not only do they recognize Jesus' authority, and then they're willing to let it alter their lives, but Jesus tells them, he says, if you do this, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And so the the third thing is, if you do this, you will become involved in kingdom life. Christianity is not a, just a, a kind of sideline, like I'm going to observe what's happening. No, it is very participatory. So where are we in our Christian life? Kind of maybe this is a question we can ask ourselves this week. Where are you reluctant to recognize Jesus' authority? Where am I reluctant to recognize Jesus' authority? What am I kind of holding back? What am I white knuckling? What am I just really struggling with? get over maybe even a mental hump? Where am I struggling to recognize Jesus' authority? And here's the good news. God's not like over like strong arming you about it. God's very gentle. Jesus is very kind. (laughs) I think Jesus wants to sit down with us and say, tell me more about that. Why are you trying to white knuckle these things rather than recognizing my authority over all things and just hand them over? Hand them over. So where are we not recognizing Jesus' authority? The second thing, kind of the question underneath the second point is, where are we kind of white-knuckling, refusing to allow it to alter? Where are we reluctant to give an inch <laughs> to Jesus on something? Where are we reluctant to kind of step out of our comfort zone or step out of our personality type or just kind of stop making excuses and say, you know what? If I actually believe that this is the most important thing in the, in the world and in the cosmos, maybe it's worth me being uncomfortable. Maybe it's worth me altering something or letting the Spirit alter something about me so that I can be a better kingdom representative. That's another possibility. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing out possibilities this morning. The third thing that we talked about was th- if you begin to get involved in this, you will become involved in kingdom life. And Jesus tells us you will become fish- fishers of men. You'll become a person who has, who has like, interactions with other people in the name of the kingdom. Why? Because you are a kingdom ambassador. You are someone who believes that the kingdom has come near. Hopefully we've repented and we now believe this good news and it's changing us. And again, it's good news. It's not harsh news. It's not bad news. It's not news that makes you fearful. It's good news. It's news that kind of washes over you and cleanses you and is like a balm to the wounds that we carry. It's good news. And here's the other aspect about this good news. It's good news for everyone. It's not just good news for people who look like me or think like me or from the same socioeconomic background as I am or whatever. It's good news for the world. So what does it look like? When this good news begins to be unleashed in little tiny bits, I think the next few verses in Mark speak to it. Look at verse 21 of chapter 1. This is Jesus and now his little like posse that he's beginning to build. It says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. A few takeaways from this. One, our worship service today was very bland. <laughs> if this is what's happening, their worship services, <laughs> Um, Which I will take bland over this any day, believe me. Um, I don't mean bland in a bad way. I just mean like, you know, they're having someone like running off the streets and Jesus is casting out demons and everyone's like, this is interesting. Like, I feel like I would have a little bit more of a reaction to that, but they're just like, what is this? This is a new teaching. This is interesting. But Jesus steps into a place and real, and, and, and he's, he's inaugurating. He's moving the kingdom forward. The kingdom is here. It's present. He's preaching good news. And someone comes in contact with Jesus and with his followers. And that person experiences what good news actually means for them and has changed. And everyone around goes, wow. They're like, did you feel that? Like something just happened here. Are we these types of people who when we step into situations and when we encounter people who don't know Jesus or when we encounter situations that are just dark and difficult and maybe even a little intimidating, are we people who once we leave that situation, the people around us go, something just happened. Did you feel, have you guys ever been in a room where something happens or someone says something and the whole room like gets it? Like something happens in the room and you're like, whoa, did you feel that? That's what happens here. As the kingdom of God through the person of God and through his followers begins to kind of advance out into the world, people are healed, people are released from from systems of oppression and the world marvels at it. Why? Because we're not very used to good news. (laughs) You know this to be true. (laughs) We're not very used to good news sometimes. We're not used to good news that actually is able to seep into the marrow of our bones and change us. And yet this is what Jesus offers us. This is what he means when he says the kingdom of God is here. God is doing something about the condition of the world that only God can do. And here's the extra, extra, like cherry on top, good news. We are invited into it. We are invited into it. Jesus is still calling. (laughs) He's calling more disciples all the time. And we're invited to be people who kind of link arms in that and say, we will be a part of spreading this good news. And again, it's good news for everyone, for the whole world. And as Mark says, it's just the beginning of the good news. It just keeps going. It just keeps resounding and resounding and resounding. Which is why when you get to Revelation chapter 11, let's read it. Let's read it. We got got a minute here. Revelation chapter 11. John the Revelator is is recounting his visions and recounting just this grandiose, like apocalyptic picture of what God is doing in the world. And he says this, chapter 11, verse 15, this worship service just erupts. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of this world... The way this world operates, the evils of this world, the harshness of this world, the sin of this world, the brokenness of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever and ever. And then the elders fall down and say, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. This is what we long for. This is what Jesus began that is happening even now. The kingdoms of this world are becoming slowly but surely because the kingdom is ever advancing and and Jesus is ever present with us and the spirit is ever just present with us and God the father is just over all of it and we are waiting and waiting but the kingdoms of this world where Christians put their feet down get to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Messiah. And this is good news. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you, God, that you're present with us. And Jesus, you know what it is to be in this world and to just have it just be messed up all around you. Jesus, you know what it is to suffer. You know what it is to just look out of the window and just be like, what is going on out there? But God, would you embolden us Would you remind us that the kingdom is here and now and it is with us and we are a part of it today. And would you remind us over and over again that that is good news and that we get to be people who carry good news into a world that is broken. God, we love you and we trust you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.